Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Settle for Satin. It is Satin, right? Yes. It's not Satan. I mean, I think there are uh, some clever wordplay going on. Uh huh. Settle for satin is a weird thing to say, though. Yeah, it's like, oh, you got satin sheets. Okay. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's fine. Yes. But why would isn't satin like satin's got silk in it? I have that's no idea. It's a luxury item. Yeah. What do you What do you want? Flannel? You know how hot that shit gets. Oh, I love it. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I. Welcome to As You Were, podcast about alkaline trio. We should start doing that. We should just do fake outs. We should. Yeah. We should. Big on fake outs, 2019. This is a podcast about alkaline trio. My name is Tim. His name is David. Correct. We are friends. We are. And that's my favorite thing about this is that we're two friends getting together, talking about a band that we like, and that band is called the Alkaline Trio. We hope that you like them too. I mean, they are called the Alkaline Trio unless you were at their Metro shows last week where they famously sold a scarf where their name was misspelled. Really? They were the Alkaline Trio. Well, maybe the person in charge of the scarf was also in charge of the typo on Crimson. This is Settle for Satan. Somebody messed up the files. Maybe. Uh, maybe they're the people in charge of uh, sequencing this record, which they did a very poor job of. I tell you what, I've talked about this before. We're talking about it again. Crimson did not like it when it came out. Did not like it for a long time, and I think that a lot, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the sequencing of the first half of this record is so all over the place i've uh i've alluded to it before and i'm just gonna say on the podcast is i've i've really wanted to do uh a patreon bonus episode patreon.com slash as you were where you and i resequence this record including some of the b-sides if we so choose to our liking how do you make crimson work what a great idea i know uh and maybe you'll get to hear that over at patreon.com slash as you were but for now we're going to talk about a song that, like a lot of Crimson, because I was on the opposite side where I liked it a, more when it came out, um, but I viewed it more as a songs record where I was like, oh, like, really like Time to Waste, really like this one, you know, da 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 This is the record where my feelings about particular songs have changed more and more over time than probably any other release of theirs. And still to this day, I'll hear the title of one and be like, oh, I don't really like that one that much. And then I put it on, I'm like, Actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. And this is one of those for me. This is one of those. Yes. Um, and there's a very clear reason, and this goes back to the sequencing point, is I don't like how the song starts, and I don't like that lead line very much because it sounds a lot like the song that precedes it, Deathbed, and its lead guitar line, both of which are very, like, cloying to me. Uh-huh. Um, and they're not bad, but when they are right next to each other, for me, this middle part of the record has always been like, God, it feels so fucking weird. Matt, Matt, in his um, you know, single note lead phase, yeah, not doing the octave thing anymore. It's not nearly as inventive. No, and it's 
it really shows his limitations, I think, as just a, a player, um, at least in that style. He doesn't really have too many things that differ too much. And yeah, it is very apparent. Deathbed into Settle for Satin. It's a tough one because you're just like, hey, what the heck? You, and, you just did that. And they also are songs that I think I, when they start, I'm almost always like, mm, skip. But then the chorus is coming. I'm like, okay. See what I got me. What I do like about that lead is that it returns on that chorus. I really like that it's kind of the reference point, and that has a really nice little thing that you can follow along in a very, very strong chorus. Yes. My kind of renaissance with Crimson really came after the fact that I just got over the fact that I found the first three tracks really hard to follow along with thought that mercy me was like oh man well that's a classic that's a classic from the onset but after that i started to realize like oh okay this is kind of where the identity of this record really forms yeah big you know big part of that is the fact that you have matt and dan singing on each other's songs a lot more and you also have the loveliest production yeah i mean i think a lot of these songs sound really good and i think part of Part of what I think is most interesting about this song in particular is like, yes, Deathbed has that lead, but you can kind of hear how like if they were to play it live, they can kind of make it work, Mm -hmm. right? This is the first song where it's like, this band really can't be a three-piece anymore if they want to keep going where they're trying to go. And you really do see that, I think, in the back half of this record. It's... It's a really, really interesting time. It's, uh, to me, unfortunate that this is kind of, this is the big production record, and they don't go back to it because songs like this, when I hear them, I'm like, you really put so much good behind this track. Well, and I wouldn't say it's the only big production record because Agony and Irony follows it, which is a big production record, but in yeah, a, but a it different sucks. way. Well, yeah, but it's it's that's a sound effects record. Uh-huh. You know, whereas this is like, you know, real tasteful layers and synths and you know, Great strings tones. and just like yep. very interesting things and like you you point out to me just like how different Dan's bass tone is on this song, which I'd never really it's absolutely my my favorite thing that happens on this song mm-hmm. is just the warmth of that and especially like you know we get into talking about how this band gets lazy and frustratingly so yeah that they just kind of recycle so many tropes and you know but you get to a part where the verse comes in and it's just like all right guitars drop out it's dan and the bass but it's not that like heavy tone Fender jazz bass. It's yeah. warm. It's got a real, real lush feel to it. And, you know, it provides this bed for Dan's vocals, which also have a lot of effects on yeah. them. They're doubled down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dan doubles every vocal that's on this record. Yeah. And it's got like some gain to it. It's got a little bit of reverb to it. And sometimes that can be a little you know grading or you can kind of point to it as a flaw but when you think about the way that vocal tone interacts with that bass tone they don't do that again no totally and it's really really nice to hear and listen to on headphones yeah and i i've said it before but i think the negative reception a little bit to some of this record by certain 
fans and I think an even more negative reception to Agony and Irony really kind of pushed them away from doing stuff like this ever again. Um, and maybe that's for the worse and maybe that's for the better. I don't know. I'm not, I can't see through time that way. Right. But like I do, I hear a song like this and I'm like, man, like I really wish they could have explored this territory a little more because they slow down, they stretch out, they're able to evoke a mood arguably better than they ever have. It's not just about like, singing about something that's dark or weird it's, it, it's really kind of expressing it and making you feel it in a lot of this material yeah and you know you sit and you look at the lyrics to this song and i mean it's mostly about alcohol yeah and the states of depression that kind of come along with it the, the things that bring you there the things that keep you there the i love the fucking line about north side bars mm-hmm. and just seeing you know that whole scene which for us it evokes you know an actual image sure because you know we're all uh growing up near the l and l and things like that um but the the whole tone the whole weight to it it's just very pronounced and it's not just a song about you know drinking too much and feeling bad it's a song about you know, it's almost got this like real thick, like kind of static that surrounds mm-hmm. all of it, this numbness. Yeah. And I think this, it really just shows, I think, how nuanced they can be and how often since then they've really never been again. Um, I think you see flashes of it on Is This Thing Cursed? I think there are songs that do this kind of nuanced layered thing a little better than they had really since Crimson, but it's still more straight ahead and a little more rocky. But I think, you know, this really just shows like Derek's versatility as a player. I don't think a lot of punk bands could have made this tradition uh, transition without someone like that who can like really pull it back and still write interesting parts and really know how to serve a song and not just be like, well, I know how to play fast and I know how to play slightly less fast. So what are we doing here? You know, like it's it's interesting, you know, the the idea that Derek gets kind of saddled with the the idea that like when Derek joins the band things start to go south and it's not mm. Derek's fault that things start to go south but it's just like well he's there and there it goes it's an easy thing to take from it but to hear the contribute the contribution that he has of picking things back up and to be picking things back up on a matte vocal which you know brings us into the chorus that it doesn't it doesn't say anything. No. There's just so much power to mm-hmm. it. It I love that it's such a low down vocal. Yeah. And it really, really kicks into a very, very good chorus. Yes. Yeah. And I think the chorus is really I, I think on almost every track that I dislike I kind of like a chorus on them on this record. And that's really telling. I think it's some of the best chorus writing of their career. Maybe not some of the best songwriting, but I think there is definitely, like, you can see a versatility in Matt's vocals and Dan's vocals to really do stuff that's very different and, and be able to make a song uh, uh, like Self or Sadden work or a song like Deathbed work or arguably a song that I've come around a lot on in recent years. I think Dan's vocal performance on the last song, Smoke, is really solid on an otherwise forgettable track. Yeah. I think 
yeah, Dan's Dan's got some fucking tracks on on this record. This mm-hmm. is it, it's such an interesting it's such an interesting release, and I think that this is kind of Deathbed and like Settle for Satin to me are the ones that really kind of mark the idea that there is a concept behind this record. They're they're doing a lot of things differently. They're um, all kind of working with the same tone, mm-hmm. like a darker scale to yeah. everything else. They've always been a dark band, but Crimson has like a real feel to it. Yeah, yeah, and I think. You know, there's there's a level of corniness to it that I think you could see in like maybe the press photos of this record or even the cover with Derek and his fucking top hat. Uh huh. But I think of this record like if you remove that, I think if this was presented differently to people, I do wonder how different the reception to it would have been. It's always gonna feel interesting to me that in a time when My Chemical Romance and AFI take punk and make it huge and operatic, that this record never really got the treatment of having two extra people playing on it. Yeah. That the, you know, this is is a time when it would have been interesting to see what they're doing in, you know, larger venues. Yeah big stage production Mm -hmm. and they kind of do that i mean they did have a guy hiding behind the drum set yes Um, right but it's 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 not on the scale it's not on the afi scale it's not it's not on that i mean they almost called the record fucking church and destroy so well it's a good thing they didn't call it church and destroy but a lot of things don't happen with mm -hmm. this record this record doesn't take off this record doesn't really stick we don't really see them embrace what in hindsight we're looking at and and wishing that they had yeah yeah and i think you know i liked it in the moment and when agony and irony was coming out i was kind of excited because i was like oh like you know they're already reaching that way maybe they'll be able to like go even bigger and like still retain it and they just went in a different direction and um i think there was a lot of reacting to the record before going on through the late 2000s and early 2010s and uh, I just wish they had the confidence to go for it again. Well, I think that what you what you kind of see here is is the fact that this band is is really good at doing what they do and kind of have always done. Yeah. This song is an eight B A B with a bridge and a repeated chorus. Yep, they're never going to be like straying from that too far so the idea that you can take what is a very traditional alkaline trio song and you can put you know well you know well considered choices to it you can do something just as simple as have matt sing that line because he doesn't do it that often put a couple things on top here that are just they're you know well executed they're smart they're not haphazard and it just it turns a song that would have been any other dance song into something complete not completely something different yes something fresh yes with that in mind what do you give this song tim i i'm giving this song a four i'm giving it a three and a half flannel bed sheets out of five <laughs> sweating all night um hey if you like what we're doing here 
I suggest that you tell somebody about it. Tell your friend, tell your mom, tell Mark Hoppus. I don't know. Tell somebody. Um, rate it, uh, subscribe to it, review it. We are on Twitter at As You Were Pod. Mm-hmm. We hit that thing once a week. Every now and again, yeah. Um, I don't know how much I'm doing that shit this year. I think that that's like my, I'm kind of coming into my New Year's resolutions. Same. And being logged out of things. Is nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. But we are very logged in to our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can pledge a monthly amount on there. You get yourself a mug, get yourself all sorts of bonus sods. Yep. So an abbreviation of episodes. I prefer apps, but what you gonna do? Um Omar apps, Mike apps, we got all the apps. Omar coming. Yeah, baby. Um, hey, we do this because we enjoy it, because we enjoy each other, and we are going to continue to do it. We will be back next week. Whole new song, whole new thing to talk about, and we'll be there for you. We will be there. We all settle in to our old sods. See you then. Thanks, folks.